0: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good day, good night. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're listening to, you should be listening to this, I would imagine. Uh, Welcome to Positively Cynical. I am Jose, and I am joined by my friend. Introduce yourself, sir. What's up? Question here. How's it going? It's going pretty well. I guess, other than the heaviness of the topic that we have to talk about today. But we definitely keep it heavy every once in a while. So we'll try to be uh, as positive about the cynicism that we're about to jump into today. Before we get into that, though, the quick disclaimer is, as always, we're recording remotely. If there are any sound issues or artifacts, slide into our DMs. Let us know. Give us feedback on how things are sounding. Give us feedback on whether you're enjoying the episodes or not. And you can give us feedback on future ideas for episodes As Well, you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Positively Cynical on Twitter. It's at Cynic Positively, but you can search for Positively Cynical and find us there just the same. And of course, the best way to support your favorite podcast crew is to like, rate, share and subscribe to any and all of our content that includes all of our content on podcast platforms. Send us some reviews on Apple Podcasts. That generates a lot of engagement for our podcast and lets people know that y'all are enjoying it. And again, check us out on social media, slide into our DMs, like and comment on our posts, share our posts on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Positively Cynical, at Positively Cynical, or search for Positively Cynical, and you will find it. You can also go to Google and hashtag Positively Cynical, and you will find all of our pages, our web pages, our social media pages. Whatever you need to find. Hashtag positively cynical gets you there. So as uh, some of y'all have noted who have been waiting for this episode and some of y'all who have seen the previews for this week's episode, this week we are talking about a heavy, heavy issue, something that's really been heartbreaking, something that's been occurring over the last couple of weeks and devolving, I would say, in in my opinion, that is uh, Afghanistan and the situations that is going on there question if I could throw it to you for just a moment or two if you could briefly summarize what's been going on over the last few weeks and you've been sitting in front of the the Sunday morning news shows and getting some insight on that why don't you tell us a little bit about the background here of what's going on recently and a little bit of what
1: you see going on today well first I was going to say that uh, most of the topics nowadays don't seem to be the lightest of conversations I guess this is yet Another heavy one, but uh, I'll try to be quick. Uh, I'm sure most people know by now that uh, the United States has pretty much been involved in seemingly a decades-long war in Afghanistan, about 20 years. Nice uh, war from, in American history. Yes, stemming from uh, what happened on September 11th, 2001. Mm-hmm. Fast forwarding to what's happening there currently in Afghanistan. Uh, we had a deal uh, with the Taliban that essentially said that we would be out of the country uh, by this coming Tuesday, August 31st. This is being recorded this Sunday before. Long story short, the Biden administration... More or less adhered and is still adhering to that guideline or that deadline, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it hasn't come without any complications. So, starting <laughs> by understatement, understatement yes. But starting uh, about a week or so ago, uh, let's just say that uh, the job of getting those Americans, as well as those that had assisted Americans and their allies, uh, got very, very difficult. Uh, the Taliban. More or less to go over all of the country, including the capital of Kabul, and as we've seen by the images now, uh, chaos has ensued at the airport, the one airport that's still accessible to Americans, Hamid Karzai International. Um, mm-hmm. There's half military, half civilian. As far as uh, the layout, as of this point, uh, it seems to be. One, if not the only, I wouldn't even say it's a safe haven, but it seems to be the point that most people who are looking to get out are currently located. Uh, Considering the fact that the Taliban has the rest of the country to this point, that's also come with its fair share of challenges. This past Thursday, there was a suicide bomb. Uh, people hanging on to airplanes, trying—they're taking off, they're getting rid of—well, that are, they are just evacuating people uh, from the situation. It's—it's mm-hmm. uh, it's been a mess, and pretty much currently, at least as of these Sunday morning shows, uh, the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, uh, made the rounds to all of the uh, Sunday morning shows, practically, mm-hmm. uh, more or less. Uh, gave his thoughts and prayers about the service men and women killed, as well as the civilians a couple of days ago. Still uh, doubled down on the August 31st deadline, so that hasn't pushed back. And apparently, according to the Secretary of State, uh, we've been talking with the Taliban uh, continuously in order to ensure that people who we would like to leave and can get out are able to, even past August 31st. He was on TV and said, you can leave Afghanistan by road if you want to after a Tuesday. You can leave Afghanistan by plane. Apparently, with their negotiations and conversations with the Taliban, uh, they had been ensured that if Americans and other uh, civilians, including Afghanis, do want to leave, they're free to do so as of you know Tuesday and beyond. So even though we've been at war with these guys for 20 years, Right now, taking them at their word that we can have safe passage post August thirty first. That's pretty much where we are at this point, as far as Mm -hmm. current current events. Um, Everything is subject to change. It's very very free flowing. This definitely hasn't gone the way that I assume Americans, the federal government, and others thought it would. Um, So this is pretty much the hand that we've been dealt. And two days out from our, I wouldn't say self-imposed deadline, but I guess renegotiated deadline with the Taliban, here we are. I went on a little too long, deadline. but yeah. From, uh,
0: <laughs> no, 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 that's great. I needed We needed a decent summary for that. But like that's renegotiated from the deal that was struck with the Taliban by uh, Mike Pompeo and President Trump, which was for a May 1st withdrawal. I think that was something that was signed – uh, last year. And that and I want to note this because I think this is a good place to start. I don't want to spend the whole podcast assigning blame. I mean, we are going to kind of have to do that we have to assign blame to certain situations, certain people, every fucking American president since Bush, dropped the ball on Afghanistan, in my opinion, not to even to varying
1: degrees, everybody fucked it up. Um. But I know oh, not to cut you up. I was going to say I don't know if it's at this point really blame or finger points, and I guess it's more how did we get here? Well, here's I a, don't know if that's here's here's what I wanted to
0: point out because I think that this is something that's very been noted in the news shows. But when you know social media is its own conversation, and obviously we don't want to get too too deep into like what people think on social media because it's usually a lot of nonsense. But that's going to come up in the conversation. And one of the things that I don't see. In the conversation at all is number one, this negotiation that was supposed to take place between America and the Taliban and the Afghan government government never included the Afghan government. Afghan okay, government, yeah. Okay, Ashraf Ghani, who was the the president of Afghanistan in all, all essentially for the last few years, uh, you know, uh, somebody that America basically decided was good enough to to be our. Puppet leader there in Afghanistan. Um, maybe we'll talk about that that context later. But not only did he not negotiate with the Taliban, and I know you say, "Oh my goodness, like why would you want to negotiate with terrorists?" America was doing it this whole time, which is how he came up with these deals to leave at a certain time. Uh, it's how a lot of the balance of the country was maintained over the past couple of decades. Uh, even again, as the as the Taliban continued to make gains in the countryside, and again had about at least as of 2017, controlled about 50%, about 50% of Afghanistan, okay? That's not something that you've really seen on the news very much. Every president and, and most news shows, they don't tend to highlight the overly negative aspects of the war. They certainly are somewhat critical, but this is like something that maybe that's a conversation as well about how the media has covered this over the last 20 years. There's always been this sense of like, mission is kind of accomplished in Afghanistan. And we never saw the other side of what was going on on the on the ground. Specifically, what was going on with some of the projects that we were trying to work on to revitalize the country, what was going on with the government, the interim governments, and the more permanent governments and their negotiations with everyone throughout the country, not just the Taliban, but with various groups, various warlords, various ethnic or uh, various regional leaders in Afghanistan. But the other thing, another thing, We're talking about pointing fingers here. The other thing that has to be noted heavily is Ashraf Ghani, the same president who decided not to take place in any negotiations with the Taliban, again, an entity that controlled half the country. You kind of got to negotiate with somebody that controls half the country, I would say, if you're trying to find a way to get to peace. Ashraf Ghani, as soon as a lot of this started to go down, or essentially, in a way, he was kind of like the catalyst when he fled the country. He didn't tell anybody else. He didn't tell any of his his cabinet ministers. He didn't really let anyone know that this was what the intention was. So when your president flees the country, unexpectedly, as this is occurring, Clearly, that is a destabilizing element that, again, is not spoken about a lot on the, the news shows, is not spoken about in a lot of media coverage that I've seen. The man fled the country. Like, when your president, who was supposed to be bringing stability to the country, literally flees at the moment when he can provide the most benefit in terms of stability, you got to point some fingers there. Where's the leadership in Afghanistan? The leadership on the, on the side, say, opposite to the Taliban was not there. And in fact, for years, there were a lot of complaints that Ashraf Ghani was basically just another corrupt, another corrupt leader in Afghanistan, working with specific warlords, not including all of the various ethnic groups in Afghanistan. And so there's one place maybe that you can start to point fingers, like, what do, what do you think about when you hear about Ashraf Ghani's involvement in what's going on recently in negotiations with the Taliban? Like, what Comes to mind for you, or what opinions do you have
1: regarding that? Well, I was going to add to what you were saying as far as, um, I guess, Ghani's role from uh, what they said in reports. Not only did he leave unexpectedly and fairly quickly, um, he also seemed to have left with, where they say, I think, approximately $169 million, I think, in cash. That pretty much left with him uh, on the way to uh, his new home. Um, so you see, when you when you we're as much as we're about to, we're gonna say we don't want to go down this road of finger pointing. We're about to. Um, we have to, to a certain extent. We we don't want to lean into it too much because there it's everybody's fault. <laughs> Well, again, I mean, that's why I think the question kind of is, you know, how do we get to this point? I mean, I guess one thing that I forgot to mention, yes, we're negotiating with the enemy, so to speak. uh, And yeah, independent of the Afghan government. Um, You know, according to reports, that seem to be a big catalyst as to the morale also for the troops. You know, if you're essentially negotiating with uh, terrorists and not including the entity that theoretically would be taking over from you, America, after we have left, um, that already puts us in a compromised position. Um, I don't want to say this at least from an American standpoint, but uh, I'm going to have to, as far as negotiations, I mean, we came in, you know, to these conversations with the Taliban and, with the Afghan government here and there, essentially with one foot out the door. I mean, if you have a president that says, oh, well, I want to take everybody, you know, all the troops, et cetera, out of Afghanistan essentially yesterday after they've been there for so long. And then you say, hey, let's negotiate. I mean, you're (laughs) negotiating from a compromised position. If the end game to the enemy is okay, they just want to get the hell out. I mean, we more or less, uh, I don't want to say that we... Folded when it came to the negotiations, but I mean, a lot of it seemed pretty, pretty. Well, I can't America, think of the America, right now, folding, but, you're yeah, America folding. You are saying, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it. I mean, like I said, there is. I mean, there is a lot of blame to go around. You know, we've gone through this before, presidents. Um I, I, I just, we already came into this in a compromised position. Ghani didn't really help. I also do not remember. I know that um, America was trying to set up, you know, a democratic government uh, in Afghanistan. I can't recall if Ghani was democratically elected. I want to say he was, supposedly, um, yeah. but that still, as you can see, doesn't really help the situation. Um, it's a mess. I mean, bottom line, it's a mess. Uh, you know, we've been there for twenty years. And I guess the question is, I mean, what did we accomplish? Did we gain anything? You mentioned before, you know, Iraq. You know, this is something I kind of wanted to mention a little bit later on, but we can talk about it now. I mean, was there a point into going into Iraq to begin with? You know, we heard about Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia being essentially the countries behind nine eleven from the beginning twenty years ago, and then all of a sudden, Bush says, "Hey, let's go to Iraq for you know, take out Saddam." okay you know i I don't know where the hell that came from but after all of that and when the focus was then sent from iraq to afghanistan again i mean did we go about this all wrong i mean clearly it seems as if we did but again how did we get to this point i mean okay so let me break down a very very
0: brief history of what's happened before the taliban came to ours to power pardon me As far as I understand it, Afghanistan, you can go back to the 70s, essentially, and think about the Cold War when Russia was occupying the country. Russia had occupied Afghanistan. They were yet another in a long line of empires that conquered Afghanistan, but had a lot of trouble controlling Afghanistan because of a lot of reasons. One, the geography is something that always is brought up. It is the second most mountainous country on Earth. Fighting in a mountainous desert? Yeah, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Not very effective, especially if you don't know the terrain. It's That's cl- something that's always been clearly noted in situations like this, and it's happened to America over the last few decades. You talk about Vietnam, you talk about all these <laughs> nations where we failed to fight a vastly, quote-unquote, inferior force. Generally, what it is, it's, it becomes this this mode of guerrilla warfare. And America America's military is adapting to that. Over time, I think they're realizing that they can't win wars with these gigantic war machines that are essentially, you know, designed to take out high value military targets, high value military installations, high value military personnel, when all of your enemies are hiding in the jungle or in caves, and they don't really have a central command, you know, quote unquote, essentially all the taliban did was wait out america for 20 years they fled like the vietnamese the did 40 years
1: ago or say so say
0: 50 years ago they fled across the border to pakistan and they waited us out but so we go back to that cold war between america and the united states and both countries were of course trying to insert their own influence into afghanistan and trying to turn it democratic or communist whoever was on whatever side was trying to like turn afghanistan's allegiances one way or the other which that's a familiar story but I'll leave it at that for now. It's a relatively familiar story for Americans going back into this recent Cold War history. Uh, And eventually, you know, Russia was driven out like every other major empire that can conquer the country fairly quickly. But again, these forces run to the countryside, they wait it out. And then once this war of attrition is too much for these large empires, that's basically the point where, they, whoever is trying to come back in into power comes over and, and sweeps into, the, into power in the country. Now, with the Taliban, what occurred is there was a civil war as well in Afghanistan. You, you add that into what happened in the conflict with Russia. And you had a lot of, basically a lot of young men that were, that were orphaned. So what occurred at that point, at least according to many historians, is that a lot of those young men who were orphaned ended up in these madrasas or religious schools where they were radicalized. They were radicalized by certain leaders that saw an opportunity to say to these young men, it's time to fight the the great, existential, the great religious, the great final war against the West who is trying to destroy Islam. That's part of where a lot of this radicalization started. And then essentially... Over time, by the time the 90s came around, the Taliban just came back in and just took over the country. These young men who had been radicalized decades ago, who were very, very fundamentalist Muslims, um, where fundamentalism can be a very dangerous aspect of any religion or any ideology, very fundamentalist, misogynistic, you know, they're homophobic. The, The entire interpretation of Islam as they see it is strictly rooted in the power of Islamic men and the empires of Islamic men and expanding the empires of Muhammad and the Islamic empire. So it's rooted in all of that. And if you want to talk about kind of what occurred in Afghanistan and what went wrong, let's say going to the moment of the invasion in 2001. First, like, I want to like kind of touch back on your point when we decided to invade Iraq, which Again, I don't know that necessarily invading idea of these countries was the best decision to make, but it's always kind of brought up in media and elsewhere. Afghanistan was the, again, quote unquote, the good war, right? It was the war where, you know, they had harbored Osama bin Laden. He was no longer in the country when we invaded. He had fled to Pakistan. Let's say it again. We have to bring that up again and. We, we can't even get into how complicated that whole thing with Pakistan is, but we will mention it a couple of times because it definitely factors into the tale here. But Afghanistan was the, quote unquote, good war. And then in 2003, Bush went off on what can only be described as a revenge expedition to go and take out um, Saddam, Saddam. in Iraq. So when you take resources out of a war where essentially we didn't go in there to nation build, we eventually decided we had to nation build, I guess, because Bush decided we needed to build schools and we need to do all this shit, talking about where, where the road ends in Afghanistan, the Taliban begins, and that's another tale we're going to get into in a little bit about how America failed to rebuild the country. But when you take away these massive resources to go and fight another war in the same region, yeah, America's got a big military, but whether or not you believe we should have been in Afghanistan in the first place, if you're going to do something, you might as well do it right. And as soon as we started diverting those resources, militarily, financially, um, infrastructure resources as well, that's kind of where things, in my opinion, started to go south in the beginning. And you can talk about every other president and the mistakes that we made, but let's start there. Okay. And one of the things that I did want to mention to talk about where the road ends, the Taliban begins. One of the very, very large infrastructure projects of the United States and many other countries tried to tried to complete that was never completed. It was something called the Ring Road. And essentially, it was built by Russia. It was built by the, the USSR. When they were occupying the country, it is just a highway that connects all of Afghanistan's major cities. But when there's a government like the Taliban, who doesn't really care about roads and infrastructure, it fell into disrepair over the last 30 years or so, or how 40 years or so, 50 years at this point, if we're talking about the 70s. That fell into disrepair and was never completed. So that's yet another example beyond diverting resources, beyond doing this, beyond doing that, of some promise that we made to the Afghan people for how we were going to uplift their country beyond just training them militarily and yet another way in which we failed. And clearly, the military training that we gave to the Afghan army, which I think is supposed to be about 250,000 strong or 300,000 strong. I'm not going to blame them. I'm not going to blame, you know, when you're when your president decides to get the fuck out of Dodge, and your military leaders basically negotiate a truce with the Taliban, which is what happened for you to put your weapons down. It's really hard (laughs) <laughs> for you as an individual, no matter how much you want to, to actually go out and now fight against this massive Taliban army that controlled half the country. Again, that's something worth noting. And a last little point before I will open up the floor to you is that when you look at the, the military resources that were put into Afghanistan, here's a big part of the problem in my opinion. And a, a reason why Afghanistan was mostly conquered by the Taliban, about 50% of the country, again, taken over bef- by 2017. The general thought in terms of America rebuilding a country like this is they kind of, how do I put this? They they are very, very interested in the, the urban renewal of a country like Afghanistan. And it's in essence... For reasons both militarily and simply in terms of interest, America ignores the rest of the country. They ignore the countryside. They ignore the rural areas. They ignore the areas outside of the main cities. And then what ended up happening for the American military is a lot of their military resources went to guarding the cities and guarding the construction of the ring road. As a matter of fact, many of the companies that were working on trying to rebuild this road, this highway, that would have been a great economic revival would have could have created a great economic revival for Afghanistan obviously roads are very important they they were stretched so thin the american military that they had to hire security forces in many cases many of these companies suggested that that they they lost, they that dozens of people were killed dozens of people injured so it was a very dangerous undertaking to begin with but it seemed like america never was fully focused on rebuilding the country, and this is an issue that we could talk about ad nauseum. They're never really focused on rebuilding a country outside of what is good for their own interests. They don't think about what cultures, ethnicities, different peoples, different groups need to be included, considered, and uplifted in order for a country like Afghanistan, which is very, 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 very ethnically diverse, very ethnically diverse, this is another thing that's kind of an issue in a place like Afghanistan, it's very ethnically and culturally diverse. When you don't have that in mind, when you uh, nation build, quote, unquote, you're essentially destined to failure. So for a very general idea of why Afghanistan was a failure, and we'll get into specifics in a moment. That's kind of a in a nutshell, my thoughts as to at least mindset-wise, why the entire endeavor was failed, was a, was destined to be a failure to begin with. What are your thoughts, question?
1: Well, I mean, I guess, to me, it kind of boils down to two or three things. Number one, we said that we had a war on terror. What exactly does that mean? Um, we're at war essentially against an entity or a group, but there's there was theoretically no head of the snake. You know, what would you consider to be the end of this war? And I think that that's where a lot of the questions come from. You know, was the end of the war 10 years ago when Bin Laden was killed? Again, not in Afghanistan, but somewhere else. Yeah. Was the right? war, mm-hmm. you know, what, what was the war ended? Well, I... I don't even know. I mean, we've been there for 20 years to this point. I mean, you know, I'm still kind of scratching my head as to what we accomplished. You know, I I would be the first person to say that, you know, when this whole thing happened, 9-11, you know, I was one of the first people screaming, okay, why the hell are we in Iraq? You know, we should be in Afghanistan going after the people that did this to us. You know, I wasn't, you know, really gung-ho about going to war in general. But as you had mentioned, if we're going to go into war... Yeah, at least let's have the right one, so to speak, you know, against, you know, the place that, you know, we had assumed attacked, you know, America, or at least, you know, was responsible for, you know, for part of it. So when, you know, we had, when there were mentions of, you know, troops going to Afghanistan, at least out of, you know, the craziness that had been born out of the Iraq war, you know, it made sense. You know, again, if, but again, you know, what are we fighting against? Like, literally, what are we fighting against? What is, what is terror as far as the war? I mean, is there ever an end to a war on terror? I mean, terror is just going to come by another name. It came under the Taliban. We said it came under Iraq. Now it's come under ISIS. Now there's ISIS K. I mean, where does terror end? Which I think was, a big reason as to why, I mean, we've been there for 20 years and why there seemed like there was no end. I mean, how how do you you win against an entity? You know, on their soil, no less. I'm not saying bring the war over to America, but, you know, I I guess that goes over to my second point. You know, haven't we been through this already? Like, after a while, I mean, history repeats itself. I mean, we've been down this road with Korea. We've been down this road with Vietnam. We went down this road with iraq the first time we went down this road with iraq the second time and now we expect all those things that essentially bloop in our face in one way or the other to then say okay the time we do with afghanistan that's when we're gonna get it right i mean our track record is not hasn't really been the best over the past 75 years i i you know at least post-world war ii let's put it that way i i, I don't know that we won right yeah I
0: mean, that we clearly oh, that's
1: won the last that we won let's just say every World other war, war has been kind of everywhere after that's been kind of like yeah we could say we won or we can look at oh, it glass can. half full what, what i mean again with korea look you know, essentially we agree to disagree because <laughs> clearly the other two koreas that was the that was the fallout from the korean war vietnam well, hell, I mean, we all saw what happened with Vietnam. And there are a lot of parallels I can make to Vietnam when it comes to this craziness right now. You know, again, like you said, you wouldn't have to look that far. We did this 20 How years ago it. with Iraq.
0: Go ahead. Huh? What, what are your parallels? What are the parallels that you have in mind regarding Vietnam?
1: Because I think that's a oh, great well, point. Well, I mean, oddly enough, um, I think that it's we all got the same image. I mean, hell, I was even born when Vietnam you know, was a thing. But I think the first image that everybody thought about uh, when they saw what was going on, you know, last week, um, you know, was the fall of Saigon. I mean, everybody, at least historically, you know, we've seen images and video of helicopters essentially trying to get people that are on rooftops in Vietnam out to safety away again from you know, insurgent forces from the enemy in quotes, um, you know, coming to take over the capital city. Um, that's the first thing that the media had mentioned as far as comparison. That's the first thing I thought of. They didn't even have to say it. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw it on TV, um, which, you know, again, we've, we've been down this road before, you know, we've been to a country where, yeah, like you mentioned, they, the enemy was seemingly inferior where we had all the answers, and it was going to be quick. We were justified. It made sense. And, I mean, it's a rude awakening from when you talk about it as opposed to being on the ground. I mean, it's a whole different ballgame. And, you know, when you're on their turf, we you it yourself, when you're on terrain that's unfamiliar and ridiculously mountainous, I mean, in a lot of ways, maybe we should have seen this coming as far as it being, you know, how this ends. You know, I, I, again, I don't really know what you would consider to be a good ending for this. When, when, when does the war on terror end? And I say all of this as I'm literally looking at my television and the backdrop is there's Biden walking down, you know, a rampway about to see the troops that fell, you know, in what they call a dignified transfer for service members. You know, the caskets come back and, you know, they have the American flag draped. You know, Biden decided that he wanted to be there you know, further arrival. Um, I mean, is, is that how it ends? I mean, you know, there's again, you know, the, the more we talk about this, the more questions that come up. Um, wow. I, I don't know. And if, if it's really, a, and, you know, during these shows this morning, as I'm watching them, you know, somebody kind of brought up the point, you know, we didn't necessarily lose the war, whatever that war was, but we didn't win it either. You know, it's a weird kind of purgatory when it comes to what did we accomplish, what did we gain? I disagree. You do? How I so? Mean,
0: how did we how did we in any way not lose the war when essentially the status quo that existed before we entered Afghanistan is not only returning but stronger than it was?
1: But again, what there. is consider- <laughs> But again, what is but what is considered but that's the thing. What is considered losing the war to Biden or winning the war To Dubai and winning and losing the war was, Hey, we got bin Laden. We do what we had to do. Terror is over. We're out of there. I mean, again, the line for victory gets, I don't want to say it's muddled, but it's different for everyone, which is why, you okay. know, everybody says that's why there are many different opinions as to where we, are we, were we right to go in there to begin with? Are we right to leave? I, the, the goalpost is different for everyone. well, in general,
0: I feel like in relation to the global war on terror, it's, it's not as simple as this. I'll try not to, to make it seem as if it's this simple, but a lot of American, Russian, and indeed imperialist involvement from places like Great Britain as well. And like when you talk about Great Britain's involvement, I'll get to that in a little bit more context in a, in a minute. But like I believe that their involvement in a place like the Middle East, in Afghanistan, or in Iran, in Saudi Arabia... In other places over the decades has been nothing but a detriment to the region because you can't necessarily say, okay, there would be like progressive, again, quote unquote, modern first world countries. And again, that's a whole other conversation as to whether that's the most positive thing that's possible is to have the American model and the first world model. But a lot of those countries were actually leaning. They were starting to lean into more progressive values in the late 60s and the early 70s, around the same time when America was was experiencing sort of the the hippie renaissance, whatever you want to call it. And then you got the cultural backlash, which occurred also in the Middle East and set them back by a lot of those countries essentially being forced into these fundamentalist governments, you know, because of, again, involvement from America. Sometimes it was some sometimes it was a leader that we favored that we allowed to go into power um a good example oh my goodness i'm 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 blanking on his name but he was a middle eastern warlord who was in the last few years recently killed by his own people he was dragged into the streets and killed Gadda- Gaddafi, right not
1: Gaddafi. oh well it's libya yeah. I mean, if you're talking about if you're talking about Gaddafi, that's that's Libya. I,
0: right. But like Gaddafi was not exactly a product of the United States, but certainly partially a
1: product of the United States, as was Bin we, Laden. Have our, we have our hands in a lot of cookie jars in the Middle East. Um, we, we didn't, we didn't it, hurt. but you
0: could say we we pushed it along a little bit to a certain extent by our involvement and by well, martyring people. Essentially, what you do is you create. A a never-ending conflict to a certain extent because if there's no country to destroy if there's no country to conquer if there's no i mean there and yes there are countries but i just want to bring up this one point because when you talk about how some of these nations borders were drawn up they were drawn up by imperialist countries again like great britain the uk whatever you want to call them they decided to draw up these borders for no no reason no specific reason is completely arbitrary it, it could divide ethnic groups, racial groups, religious groups, and that's kind of the issue that you see in a lot of countries in the Middle East is that the borders that they were handed by us do not really adhere to maybe the kind of borders that they would have liked to see in terms of, again, having certain ethnic groups live in a certain country. Because if you look at places like Afghanistan uh, or Iran or Iraq or wherever, Saudi Arabia, There's always a great deal of different cultures, and there's always – when you talk about Iran or Saudi Arabia or Iraq especially, there's always a minority, either Shiite or Sunni Muslim population that is basically oppressed by that nation. And again, because of the borders that were drawn up as they were, because of the borders drawn up by imperialist nations that just decided like this line seems good over here, there's a mountain over here, we'll cross it off over here, and this is where this country ends. I think that that's obviously, to me, something that majorly has driven the conflicts in the region for decades and decades and decades and decades and centuries at this point, actually. When you when you draw up the region according to your own borders and you don't pay attention, which is none of these empires have done, if you go in somewhere and you want to rebuild it, make it a better place, you, you should listen to the locals, perhaps. But essentially, like I said, all that America does is it acts in its own best interest all that Russia did was act in its own best interest. all the UK did was act in its own best interest. and so it's a lot like Africa in a way as well. I mean it's partially Africa. the Middle East is a part of Africa as well. but like the involvement by these empires, people say, oh that was hundreds of years ago, that was decades ago, that was this, that was that. When you, when you take all of a country's resources, when you invo- insert yourself in their political discourse, when you do that for decades, Years, it doesn't really matter how long ago it was. There's still a lot of that left over in today's Middle East. I would say. Again, this is this is my layman's opinion. Because again, we're just a couple of assholes on the internet. I always like to mention that we have our own opinions about this, and we try to educate ourselves the best that we can. But when you put your foot in there and you put your foot in the door and you don't give any consideration to what's necessary to actually make the region a better place. You're only giving consideration to in Russia or America's case, what strategically would be best for you. Cause that's the only reason that Russia and America were involved in there in the sixties and the seventies. It's like America doesn't want it to become a communist country and Russia wants it to stay a communist country. So that's why, that's why a lot of these conflicts occurred over the last, you know, well during the cold war, from the period after the world war II until the collapse of the Soviet union in the early eighties. So that's almost 40 years of inserting yourself militarily in the affairs of other people who do not want you there, do not need you there and who you do not understand. Um, So I think that that's a huge part of the problem. Absolutely. 100% for sure. And that's a little bit more context to kind of what occurred in the nation and I guess I could open it up to you from that point, but also I think what I want to kind of like focus on next is the approach of each of America's presidents and how that led to where we are. But I'm going to open up to like, get you let you kind of like freeform your thoughts right now. And then I'd like to jump into that a little bit, perhaps.
1: Well, I don't know how long you want this episode to be. I mean, there've been four presidents that have pretty much had a hand in where we are since 2001. Um, and, Again, it pretty much brings up the question I had before. What, is, what exactly is the war on terror? What are we fighting against? We know what's wrong in Americans' eyes as far as how a country is run. It may not be the way that we would like to see a country run. Um, a part of it, I guess, that you can ask as far as another question is, I mean, is it right To try to impart Western ideals, American ideals, European ideals to a country, a location that it seems doesn't want to embrace them. Um, Who's to say that the way that we do things or that another country does things is beneficial to a country that that we've occupied. And it also brings up, again, kind of moving that goalpost. You know, nation building versus what we're there for. Biden again said we were not there to nation build. Bush said, "Okay, we were. then." <laughs> well, we were there to nation build, I guess, until it didn't work. And now again, the goal has changed, or the goalpost changed. I mean, you heard him. Biden the past the week post. or so. Biden changed the goalpost. I mean, didn't? The,
0: but didn't our past but, three presidents? I don't think saw that. Well. Trump didn't see no, it that way. Well, I was actually. gonna
1: say I, I, well, Trump I mean you want to go down this road
0: a nation building experiment. He specifically said that during his term. So, and we have to reiterate again, not about pointing fingers, but the man wanted to leave the country in May. And I'm sure he wouldn't have He, he like, wanted to
1: see the country by Christmas of last year. That was the whole point. When he was running uh for reelection. election, didn't he say, Oh, well, stick with me and the tree was dropped by Christmas? He wanted them at yeah. almost a year ago. Imagine if those troops. Imagine if we'd gone through this eight months ago, nine months ago. If this is a disaster, can you imagine if we were we less unprep- we'd be less prepared for that? If we were gone, say November, December. Clearly, May first wouldn't have worked. Hell, August thirty first doesn't seem like it's going to work either. But if you want to go, if you want to go down this road of presidents, I'm trying very hard at the finger point. <laughs> okay so uh, yeah I, I guess it's more again how we got here um but if we are going down this road as far as presidents and who screwed up more I, I i we can start with bush we can go there all right so two points one
0: to your to your point is who are we fighting in the global war of terror we are fighting islam we're fighting islam if, if anybody wants to sugarcoat it and say that's not the case that's exactly what's happening we are fighting islam we are attempting to be as civil as we can to, uh, again, I quote unquote, more progressive uh, <laughs> um, Islamic nations or nations that are majority majority Muslim, I should say. But we are fighting a war on terror against Islam. There's, there's no getting around that in my mind. So that's one thing. How do you win a war against an entire culture, religion, or what have yeah you. how do you win know a it gets an entity especially when 99 percent <laughs> of those people are not responsible for what's going on there and probably a good percentage of them do not agree with the, the well that's the other point because you can't say also right. you can't say also that afghanistan does not want to have again quote unquote progressive values there are a number of people that started to come out you're of the woodwork right. when america was there and when they realized that america would be a stabilizing presence in afghanistan you had a lot more women activists and a lot more lgbtqia plus activism in afghanistan there is definitely a current of people who just want to fucking live who just want to be human beings there's that in every country no matter where you go everybody wants the freedom to be whoever they are whether you are a woman or a gay man or whatever identity you have. In no, I get like that. that. In places like, like Afghanistan for decades, it was a crime to live out any of those lives. So there is an undercurrent, not even an undercurrent, there's a large a large majority of people in Afghanistan who would like to see a more progressive Afghanistan. But when military intervention has intervention has created a situation to the point where essentially who is ruling the country can just wait it out for 20 fucking years and then immediately jump back in and take over the whole damn country as soon as America is basically not looking, you're not really going to help out, obviously, any of those people, you're not really nation building, you're not really advancing that that region, that country, in any discernible, useful, important way in the least, the only thing that we really did was enrich a bunch of military contractors for the last twenty years. If you ask me, and some probably some oil companies, and that's another we did that in Iraq too. Conversation to, <laughs> to be had as well. But okay, so let's get to let's get to blaming <clears throat> let's get to blaming some presidents possibly. Let's start with Bush, right? Should we have been in Afghanistan in the first place? I think that's the question that we got to ask when you talk about about. Bush jumping in there basically as soon as September 11th occurred, he was like, "We're going to Afghanistan. We're going after Osama bin Laden." And I want to obviously add again, Osama bin Laden was not in Afghanistan when we
1: declared war and entered Afghanistan. So, see, this is yeah. well, this is all hindsight. Granted, yes, we're saying this with the lens, of, the lens of twenty years uh, behind us. Uh, at the time. God, you're going to maybe defend Bush. (laughs) At the time. We got to be fair. We got to be fair. No, 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 no. Understandable. At At the time, as I'm sure you and a lot of other people were, when the World Trade Center was hit, I was pissed. I wanted, I don't want to say I wanted blood, but I wanted America to retaliate. I wanted them to go after somebody. Granted, when I heard that it was Iraq that we were going after and not seemingly afghanistan well, that was a couple a of years later team. that was in 2003 that took well a, that was 2003 so it... uh, yes but okay so should we have gone to afghanistan is the question on september twelfth, two
0: 2001 i mean
1: would that be the that have it better i mean
0: we, we we went in shortly after that it was iraq that we went into in 2003 if you recall so we were yes in yes afghanistan, yes like weeks months later i think it was before the yeah the but One. i mean
1: as yeah but i mean as far as the true focus though I, as you know come 2003 there was i want to say there was a lull between when the attack on nine eleven happened and iraq but the main focus clearly after a while became iraq for whatever reason it was to get saddam out um remember, i don't know if he can we say this conversation we had this
0: conversation in, like, two thousand. in this conversation 20 damn years ago. Yes, I we know. Were like, we were like, is Bush going to go and get revenge for daddy, basically, and, like, attack her off? We were talking about yeah, it before and, it happened.
1: <laughs> I mean, and he did. Th- th- there's so many tangents you can go off when it comes to how we got here. But you bring up a point about the media as far as coverage. Um, 20 years ago, should there have been more of a focus – from the media and from others, I mean, I thought there was to an extent, but Iraq got more of the focus. Eventually, um, see, it's a little hard. You know, after again when you're doing this from a twenty year hindsight. Yeah, if we had known things ahead of time, it would have been a lot different as far as how we would have gotten into a country. Hell, if we knew, obviously, if we knew Osama bin Laden was going to end up in Pakistan, that would have changed the way we did things. I'm sure before 2010, again, should have. Voted. I don't know about that. We haven't gotten to Obama. What was that? What I
0: do you don't say know
1: about that? I don't know. Well, if that again, would have changed should, things if we
0: knew that he was in Pakistan.
1: Well, that's the thing. We have, well, I mean, we're so never going to invade Pakistan. Well, I guess we so what we can now go. Well, uh, uh, well, that comes with its own set of different situations and conundrums. They have nuclear weapons. There's a reason why we haven't gone after them yet. We might go Pakistan adjacent for now, but no, hey, we're, those we're are conversations. Always Pakistan adjacent. There's like this there's, is true. There's, there's like a billion I, any country that allows us to be next to Pakistan, we have troops in. So, yeah. <laughs> well, these are again, these are conversations. Also, funny enough, they're happening over the past week. How much of an influence has Pakistan had in this whole thing? Clearly, they've had to have had influence and and assistance to Taliban from other uh, countries. Sure. It seems Pakistan is probably the first on that list. But you know, you, we, if Taliban, you want to go, Al Qaeda, Pakistan, and Saudi Arabia have a similar role in the Middle East. Yes, they're, they're if like we, our we can support, <laughs> quote unquote, So they're not right. I mean, we can for, we can fast forward to Obama and talk about his role again when bin Laden was killed in 2010 on was I think it was May 1st right on May 2nd two seconds yeah go ahead you can correct me if I
0: if I remember this wrong but I was never an advocate of going into Afghanistan
1: at all never okay you you're right. I, I do recall you weren't the biggest. I was probably more of the warmonger in those conversations 20 years ago mm-hmm. than you were. I had said that we, you know, I do I, I didn't want blood, but I wanted whoever did this to be held accountable. But see, then I was the question became from- when did it end? And that's well, yeah, kind of that, that that was that's always problem. been the if issue. remember.
0: If you my pro- if you remember 20 years ago my lens was okay, We're attacking a country. Why? Why are we attacking a country? Yes, okay, they harbored bin Laden for a time. They harbor terrorists. They harbor uh, a, a government that is horrible, oppressive, terrible, shits on the rights of women, shits on the rights of LGBTQ people, shits on the rights of anybody who isn't a fucking straight male. But at the same time, I very much had an inkling that this was what was what was going to happen we were going to expand the idea of who we were going after because our target was an individual our target again was never a country that individual was not a man with a country really he had been exactly many countries in the middle east some of them harbored him sure i understand that but I don't think that that's justification for going in and like annihilating that country. And again, nation building to me is never a reason to go into a country. Mind our we need to mind our own fucking business. If there's a humanitarian crisis, I can see I can see like, for for instance, like a Syria, right? If there's a humanitarian crisis, I can see the argument for sending American troops not to take over the fucking country. That never works. But to assist civilians, to assist non-governmental organizations, to assist organizations within the country that are from the that country, of those people, of that culture, of that ethnicity, to accomplish the goals and to protect them from whoever the oppressor is, if there's a humanitarian crisis. You could argue that Taliban in Afghanistan is a humanitarian crisis on its own, but I think that there is a vast difference between what was happening in Afghanistan for however many years, and Iraq for however many years versus a crisis where a civil war is displacing millions of people and they're flooding into the borders surrounding the countries around them. That's a different kind of crisis. And that was mishandled too. whole other conversation, obviously. But for me, there was never a good reason to go to Afghanistan in the first place. But as I said, now we can get to Obama, right? And you were about to say something about Obama's response and what he did in Afghanistan. So why don't you make that point, and I'll jump into how I feel about that as well.
1: Well, no, I i mean, I was just going to say Obama tried to put more of a focus on Afghanistan uh, post-Bush. Um, we saw what Iraq ended up being, and Obama tried to change the focus. You know, it's very interesting nowadays that uh, – and I hate to point fingers as far as party, but Republicans are saying, oh, well, Obama had done A, B, C, and D. One question, hey, Biden was there, too, with Obama, right? Yep. If you want to talk about president's, a lot of this, I don't want to say, falls on his feet. Who's but Biden or Obama's? I Biden, I would say as far as being there historically, I guess we'll get to Biden. So I'll I'll hold that for a we'll, we'll get to Biden. We get to him. We'll get to Biden. But as far as as Obama, you know, uh, I was gonna say Colin Powell said it best when we went into Iraq originally. If you broke it, you bought it. It's yours. And Facts. if you go into these countries, you know, you better, you do damn sure but you have A way in as well as a way out. If we're going into these countries seemingly to disrupt their way of life and to essentially instill our ideals on these countries, on these Mm -hmm. cultures, Mm -hmm. there needs to be a way out of there. And I don't think America ever had that. We never seem to have an end game (laughs) when we get into these wars. We're quick to get into them but we never really have a strategy to get out of them. And this is why you say history has a, has a way of repeating itself and has for the better part of the past 75 years, we've been down this road before you would figure that we would have taken the mistakes of Vietnam, the mistakes of a Korea, the mistakes of the first world, war, uh, uh, first Iraq war and said, okay, how can we approach this differently? But, Well, the the first Iraq war was actually an exercise. Well, Well, hold
0: on. Hold on. I think the first Iraq war was actually a proper exercise of projection of military power. I have to give I have to give the senior Bush credit because in my opinion, there was a crisis there. They invaded another country. That's
1: a different. Well, you know, I should. Well, I should clarify when I meant. The first Iraq war. I didn't mean the. Bush Senior Iraq War. God, there's two of them. There's only two Iraq Wars. Bush Junior Iraq War. Well, that was after Afghanistan. W- yeah, well, yeah it meant but- W's Iraq War more so than uh, HW's Iraq War. I think HW showed I, but- the proper amount of restraint. He,
0: he well, did what yes, he knew. to mean, do. He scared he the got, shit out of got, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein yes. remained scared shitless for decades and, like, pretended to have yeah. all these deadly weapons
1: that he really didn't have. And well, he had weapons that America had given to Iraq during their war with Iran, well, yeah, but that's, that's a different story. That's a whole other conversation. So he had weapons, but we, we gave him the damn weapons, which is why we knew what we had on him. Yeah, we had <laughs> the receipts, as has been pointed out,
0: very, very obviously before. We had the receipts for Iraq's weapons because,
1: yeah, like you said, we sold it to him. But, but- you see, but you, but you see how quickly. I have to cut you off. I'm just saying, you see how quickly the game changes in the Middle East, right? in the 80s, we were you know, we were friends with Iraq for the common cause. It's always been the enemy is my friend, right? We, we are not too fond of yes. Iran, so you know Iraq, fine, we'll, we'll support you because you hate them too. All of a sudden Saddam becomes the issue because oh crap, Kuwait, and now he's the enemy, and hey Kuwaitis, we'll support you and get rid of this guy. And then it just spirals and spirals and spirals further down. And you're right, the first Bush and the first Iraq war I totally agree with you. There was a clear defining mission. There was a clear defining strategy. There is a reason why we were there. As you remember, we were there and we were out. I mean, it was what weeks <laughs> we and we called it the day. <laughs> we have to remember this also,
0: because if if the stories are to be believed, Rumsfeld, Cheney, and others wanted to continue all the way to Baghdad back during the first one. Yeah. And HW said, No, I'm not doing that. No. I, no, he said, I'm not invading the country. I'm not doing the same building I'm shit, shit guys want you. to do. And then they come back into power under W and what happens? They do exactly what it is that they wanted to do back then. They, they invade Daddy the country. They, they rebuild the nation. <laughs> Daddy issues and just like these fuckers who want to get revenge or wanted to continue with maybe over-projecting America's power and interests in the case of a place like Kuwait or Iraq. Right, where it's like we need to have a hand in that country so that we can have some money in that country, and you know, HW, mm. for all his faults, he certainly was not a perfect president at all, in the least. At least he understood that that would be something.
1: I feel that he understood that this would be a war that we would be fighting forever, just like we have. I think one. I think one reason is. Not to disparage those that have been presidents that haven't served in war, but I think that that's a big reason as to why he reacted the way he did in the early 90s. As a person who was in World War II, as a veteran, as someone who's seen combat, mm-hmm. you know the horrors of combat on the ground. You see what the impacts and the effects of a president from on high saying, hey, I'm not on the ground, but attack and do these things. These are the consequences. When you're on the ground, you see it for yourself. You know firsthand, you see firsthand what I know, American interference can do to a country. Now, I mean, I'm not trying to hand America, but we've been down the road before. I don't know how many times I can say this. But W was a vet he too. Ha- no, he, he
0: was? was a vet. W was a vet. W was a vet.
1: I mean, but, in the but, in the loosest I'm, I'm sense being, of the word, I'm
0: being a dick because we know we both know that he didn't really get into combat missions and things like that. Like the furthest he got was Texas, H-W right? Did. HW <laughs> wasn't actual combat. He saw the horrors of war. He saw he was what, a war hero. Yeah, he saw what could actually occur. Obama didn't. Trump didn't. Biden. None of these. None of these motherfuckers were in the military, so they didn't have that perspective. Which, yes, you're probably right. It gave HW, George Herbert Walker Bush, a unique perspective and a unique sense of, hey, if we do this, we're going to be doing this shit for a while and y'all ain't going to like it, which comes to a point that I have to make very quickly before we get back to kind of what Obama did right or wrong or whatever else. There wasn't going to be a good way to end this. There wasn't. If you stayed there forever, no. obviously nobody wanted that. Nobody, Everybody was like, why the fuck are we still in Afghanistan? The longest war ever. Like... What the fuck are we doing in Afghanistan? Are we really trying to help them or like we just trying to, you know,
1: deal with our own interests? Like, I mean. Well, I don't understand how if you go into a country, systematically dismantle and overthrow the government and don't expect shit to go down, (laughs) what did you think was going to happen? This is – this this is what this is this is the case when we go into situations like these. You can't just go into a country over. I don't want to say overthrow a government, but take the current government out. Hope that <laughs> who is installed in there. I'm trying to be very careful of my words here, but hope that whoever's installed there is going to. I mean, you you said yourself, the people who were in power in any of these regions that we've been in in the Middle East afterwards have been installed by America, I don't want this to necessarily to instill American ideals, but clearly they had... To protect America. American interests. America's, they have America's best interests at heart more so than they would say, hey, let's build the country. I'm, not, and I'm sure that that's a part of it, but there's a reason why America sticks around after they go into these places and assists with who gets in there next.
0: Um, we yeah, go in there with Western, I- they go in there selling Western ideals and that might see, it might work in a situation like the last time that we like built up some nations was in world war II, right? After the world was over, we, we rebuilt Germany. We nation built Germany. We nation built Japan. Did we not? But, 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 but you're right. The thing that's amazing about that and something that didn't occur in this situation, we did it with a lot of the resources and help of the rest of the world. Yes. Number one. The rest of the world was in Afghanistan, sure, but like not really. We spent a trillion dollars in Afghanistan. I think I saw a number that the UK spent 37 billion pounds. It's not even a fucking comparison. The amount of literal blood, sweat, tears, oil, and money that America threw into that country as compared to the rest of the world was just like, oh, we'll just do what America like tells us to do, but like, we're actually not really going to do much. We'll send like a few thousand troops. We'll send some some resources. I think one country, this is Iraq, but I think that they they sent like some, some animals that could find landmines. I think that was literally one country's entire contribution to the Iraq war. They sent fucking bomb sniffing animals. So when you don't have a consensus, when you don't have a lot of different perspectives, when it's only coming from the American westernized perspective, this is what this country should be. This is how we should do it. Here are the people that this we're going to involve in the conversation. We're not going to involve these people in the conversation. This is what occurs. You leave out half the damn country. Guess what? You're going to lose the whole country eventually, which is what happened here.
1: Well, you mentioned World War II and nation building. Well, we, we we had a clearly defined strategy and a clearly defined plan for that as well. We knew the reason why we were going into, uh, into the situation with World War II. Um, so, again, when you're trying when you when you're trying to fight a war against an entity against a concept, you shouldn't be surprised that there is no out, there is no winning here. the the defi- The definition for winning is arbitrary because how do you win against terror? All you're doing when you get rid of one terrorist or one terrorist entity is you essentially spur the next one to come. You're orphaning their kids. You know, we, like it's exactly well, what or happened, or that, the Taliban hey, people, and madrasas and their resurgence in hey, the nineties and their resurgence today. People have long memories, right? When you screw somebody over twenty years ago, if you're a kid, you're going to remember that. Chances are, when you're an adult, especially in the nature of, in which you were screwed, let's if also you were really screwed.
0: Let's also <laughs> don't be. Put, you get point, if somebody comes back for revenge, and this is not to disparage Afghanistan as a whole, but like a lot of the people who were radicalized. A lot of the young men, especially, who were radicalized by madrasas and over the last 20 years by different groups uh, in more modern history, had, they didn't have anything. They had nothing. They had no land. They had no money. They had no future. When you have a situation where you're killing the past, essentially killing their families, killing their parents, killing their nation, And then they have nothing to look forward to at least psychologically. And this is me again, from my bullshit layman Western male perspective, psychologically you figure there is almost no other choice in a situation like that. You have Mm -hmm. nothing to lose. And the only people that have taken you in and have given you a life are people who have been essentially using you radicalizing you. But again, you have nothing to lose. So what do you care? Go sacrifice your life. You, if you have nothing to lose, what, what is, is going to happen when you go and you fight a military made up of family men, right? America, a lot of these young men, they have families, right? They have shit to lose. They have a Western standard of living that they want to go back home to. They don't want to die. They don't, they don't want to, they're, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't some brave shoulders out there that sacrifice their lives, whether or not they should be in these wars or not is not my conversation to have right now. I'm still going to respect anybody who's going to go out there and get themselves blown up. Whether you think it's fucking imperialist or not, whether you think they're basically just fucking enabling the rights of rich people in America to exist, it's still a sacrifice and it's still a situation that they could put in a lot of times because there's in a way they're trying to protect this Western ideal, but they also may they might have an education. Whatever. It's very, very complicated. But at the same time, yes. Long story short, you fuck with people, they're gonna fuck with you back eventually, especially if they have nothing to lose, or you took everything or you took it away. <laughs> You're the one that that's took the took it away. Thing. or your conflict between two fucking gigantic empires. Let's Jesus, can you think about like what would happen if like fucking China and Russia came into the U.S. and divided and conquered that shit? What would our kids be like in 20 years? What would our ancestors be like in 30 years? They would be American Taliban. And I'm not saying they would be necessarily fundamentalist in terms of religion and shit like that, but they would be guerrilla soldiers for the cause of America fucking wiping out Russians, wiping out Chinese. It would be the same outcome. Absolutely the same outcome. But I want to get back to Obama, if I may. Talking about the, broke, <laughs> you broke it, you got to fix it. Because with Obama, I, mean, we, I think we made this point in a conversation earlier before the podcast. If you're talking about how he focused more on Afghanistan, he made Iraq the, the not so good war. He tried to distance himself from that. He had the yeah. right idea, at least at the beginning, when you're talking about what you need to do in a place like Afghanistan. If you're going to commit to having troops there have troops there. When the surge occurred, okay, it's a mixed feeling, obviously, sending 90,000 Americans to a place where they can go and die. Obviously, it's fucking horrible to think about it. A place where they're going to go and kill people. You know, That's the other side of it. But at the same time, it was the right idea. We needed more resources in that country. It should have come from other countries as well. It should not just have been America's responsibility. It should never have been. But Obama in... In the surge, in the idea of the surge, which was something that his generals, his military personnel, his, his military leaders suggested he should do, it was the right idea at the time. What was wrong about it was when he decided that the, the reason for the surge had passed, the mission of the surge was accomplished, and then just a few months later, he was like, all right, everybody come back home. We're done. That shit's done. In my mind, if you are going to go ahead and do that in the first place, and then just like basically your pullout game is you come right back, right the fuck out immediately after you accomplish your goal, you either shouldn't have done it in the first place, or you should have just left those troops there for the surge. We might have seen a different Afghanistan. Might, this shit might have collapsed during Obama's presidency. We could have seen this happening during Obama's presidency. It's very possible, but maybe he could have given us a different road. And you know, I don't want to say that necessarily because again, I don't nec- I don't believe that military intervention is the best way to do something in these nations i think that there's a lot of other ways that you can do it on a more public private partnership local level whether it's education or something along those lines helping them to build infrastructure schools whatever else but with obama that was the the to me the huge tactical unforced error that he made you know and also the basically the situation that he was stuck in which is where afghanistan was becoming the weary war the war that we've been into been in for i guess at that point about 10 years the war that that americans no longer wanted to be in but did not know how to end and that's kind of always been the problem because if we went in there without a goal right well those most modern american wars since Vietnam, since korea world war ii again as you stated we had a very very real purpose we had an important purpose we kind of had to do it we kind of had to do it you could say maybe not you could like rewrite history or try to think out try to think about how history would have been different if we didn't get involved in world war ii but it was very much again a clear enemy it was a specific leader in a specific country who was doing a specific thing to specific groups of people and specific nations he was trying to take over the fucking world
1: yeah, you know, I was gonna say world domination, by any means necessary, is kind of a clear, distinctive line. Which for other countries to say, hey, let's take, let's, let's do something about that.
0: And you know, the Taliban, ISIS, other places, they want to take over certain regions. Some of them might want to take over the whole world, but mostly they just want to take over their little regions in the Middle East and their countries in the Middle East, and then be left the fuck alone. So it's been stated in the past that 9/11 was basically a way to get America involved in these wars so that it could destroy itself by losing a war of attrition against people who have nothing to lose and that's kind of how it's that's kind of what's happened
1: that's kind of how i was it's gonna say out. mission accomplished <laughs> not entirely Since that seems to be a term that we've thrown around the past 20 years i guess america hasn't collapsed uh, did, 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 but did, yeah it's getting there shit <laughs> i was gonna say it, it, some people would say it's it's on the verge or on its way to maybe maybe they weren't wrong If that was if that was what Bin Laden wanted, ideally, he got it. You should. Maybe he did it the way he maybe, maybe maybe this was all a part of his evil master plan. Maybe it was destroy America from within Hey, it probably that's that's the only way you can
0: destroy America at this point. Ain't ain't there. Look. If every Middle Eastern country decided to band together and try to attack and fight and destroy America, they'd still fucking lose. They would. In a straight up military conflict like that, where it's nation on nation, there isn't a country on earth that can beat America in a straight war. Not even China. On paper, no. On paper, no. But when you're talking about, again, guerrilla warfare, there isn't a country on earth that America can beat. (laughs) Well,
1: when all bets are off, it's a whole different situation. Okay, that's the that, that's the problem. When you you say yourself, when people have nothing to lose and you're fighting against them, yeah, good luck trying to beat them. That they're a million times harder to beat.
0: It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Let's move over to Trump and what he did right or wrong. What is what in your estimation hmm. did Trump do right or wrong when it comes to Afghanistan? I
1: I I, I don't really know. I'm still kind of scratching my head as to what he kind of did in Afghanistan, to be honest. I mean, he went in there, basically went into office, basically saying, well, I'll give it to him. Iraq, not Iraq, Afghanistan at this point essentially was useless for the reasons that we had been in there for. He was questioning. Hell, for as much as I say about Trump, I'll give it to him. The man asked questions way before he was in office. As to what America was doing and why we were there. He asked the questions. That's one reason why he was elected. He part of part of the part of the reason why he was elected, wouldn't you say, was he had said, hey, this war is going on for far too long. I don't even know why we we're there. Do you know why we were there? Vote for me and I'll figure it out while I'm in there, but we gotta get out of there. And I mean, he was supposed to be the anti
0: neoliberal, neoconservative, like in a sense.
1: What what yeah, he he was a whole Bunch of weird things. He was he was an anti-Republican Republican and anti-conservative conservative. I, I, I. Trump is a lot of things, but I, you know, I'm still kind of scratching my head as to what he did do as president to advance the situation for America positively. I don't know if him saying, oh, hey, we need to get out of there and we need to be out of there years ago. I don't know how you guys figure it out is really a clearly defined strategy. I I mean, I I don't really know what else to say about what Trump did other than say, hey, this is wrong. But now that I'm in charge, you guys figure out how we get out of there. And well, I'll be right here while you guys figure it out. Do you think had he had he theoretically
0: been president now, had he won the election against Joe Biden? even though actually we both know that he did and it's all fraudulent Joe Biden's not really president, but oh, yes, it's, yes. had Trump won the election fully legitimately and the evil people who stole the election, not stolen the election for Biden, would he have done the same thing and would he have bungled it as much as Biden has?
1: Well, see, the thing is when it comes to what Biden is doing, I guess we can kind of blend Trump into Biden in this sense, as far as how things would transition. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I see Biden's point as far as where he says I'm – what is it? I'm I'm trying to count. He's the fourth – yeah, what he says, I'm the fourth president to have gone through this. I damn sure not going to give this to a fifth. You can say a big reason as to why America has been there for so long is because what president – it's human nature. What president – if you're in charge, you don't want to be the person that says, okay, well, I'm – we're getting out of here now, period. We – the one thing I will credit Biden Obama for, didn't want to great, do all, that. he wanted no, to. Well, but nobody he wanted to do this. As I'm saying. Nobody, nobody wanted to do this, and a, a lot of it is political. All, well, all of it's political. I mean, who am I? Who am I fooling? All of it's political when it comes to how we how we deal with this. But the one thing I will give credit to Biden for is that he said basically, you know, I don't care how we can all we can all argue about how it's happening now. But the one thing he has said consistently throughout this whole thing is. I don't want to be there forever. Someone has to rip the band-aid off. We can't be there all We We, we got to wrap this up one way or the other. And again, that's the question that comes to what do you can. Cons- Could we have didn't done lose, better? Right? We- I think have- that's where yeah. that's the issue. I think with Biden that you have to say, you can agree with him as far as us not being there for however long the execution as to how we're getting out of there clearly is all sorts of screwed up it's fucking horrible it, it, i bet a lot that's of people were thing, thinking
0: like we were going to be they, like oh biden is great and it's not his fault
1: no well not if, at if all. you th- well if you think well if you think about it again polls do say and they have kept saying to this point most americans agree we shouldn't be there most Americans agree we shouldn't have been there for this long. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of how we get out. There's no, there's never a right way to end a war. There's never a right way to get out of a situation like this. So it 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 might be completely and totally screwed up, but one thing that we can say is A, he there was a clear, I don't want to say there's a clearly defined end, but as far as what our essential goal was this chapter is closed for better or for worse yeah and that i can say is it though because we are apparently well, 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 to why, go well, get retribution for the most recent terrorist attack so. well that's why i said well that's why i said this chapter because for 20 years that's however we got here we're here now this is essentially chapter two and whatever whatever comes next you're absolutely right. We're, we're taking people out only to, We're taking soldiers out to bring soldiers back in So part of me was kind of thinking Well, hell, what, the, what the hell was the whole point of this To begin with Also keep in mind, Biden's original goal Was to be out of there by 9-11 of this year August 31st is a negotiated uh, Deadline uh, After Trump set the May 1st deadline uh, When he was in office I don't know if another two and a half weeks Would have been, would have changed things I don't know, but I will say that as far as the execution, we should have. If we knew that we had a deadline, granted, yes, I agree with a few others. the The way that that uh, that troops were pulled out, the way that civilians were pulled out, maybe this is something we could have started months ago, not just you know a few weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. The way well, that here's a point in fairness.
0: Here's mm-hmm. one point in fairness. We we should have prepared for this eventuality and certainly much a, a much, much much, was much a little better bit more, well for this specific person for this specific eventuality i should say um, because there was no clear indication that again ashraf ghani was going to like flee the fucking country there was no indication that the afghan government and the afghan military as it stands now was literally going to lay down their arms and say like we're not fighting the taliban y'all could have that's true but these are these are these are things that were foreseeable when they control half the fucking country you should have been going wherever you could to get out again civilians ngos afghans who worked with the american military with the coalition military as translators or whatever else you should have been thinking about what are we going to do in this eventuality as this deadline gets closer? How are we going to get these people out? Mm-hmm. Regardless of what the government there, what the military there, that there did, there should have been more of, of thoughtful planning to say, again, especially like when we're talking about American contractors and NGOs and things like that, I thought we don't leave any of our people behind. Right. At the same time, at the same time, to be fair, if you're in Afghanistan, I guess you know. I know if you're an American, and you're trying to do as much good as possible. You don't want to leave. But when Trump set a deadline for May first, uh, Biden set a deadline for September 11th, then set this deadline for August 31st. You should have probably been considering how the hell you were going to get the fuck out of there as soon as possible, especially when you understand that the Taliban controls half the damn country. And as soon as America leaves, they were just waiting. This was clear. This was very clear. If you look at some of the hindsight and some of the news now, it was understood that as soon as America left, the Taliban was going to make their move. So that was something that was a, a massive, massive lack of foresight on the part of all American planners from Trump to Bush, or excuse me, from Trump well, to Biden. They, they both fucking well, dropped the ball on that one for sure.
1: Well, we can all agree that this is the worst case scenario uh, to this point. But one thing that I had been meaning to bring up that I did say I was going to bring up during the Biden portion of this topic um, was something that can't be understated or forgotten. Biden's been around for a long, long Time. Yeah. Biden's been around for fifty 47 years. 47 years
0: in the Senate. And right, he hasn't done no,
1: it. No, now, Biden has a long history when it comes to foreign affairs. Biden has a long history as far as being involved in the federal government, in the executive branch. He was vice president, after all. Uh, you always hear about he how he was the one lone voice in the room during the Obama administration uh that wasn't for the search. Um, and that he essentially had been Holding this I don't want to say it's a grudge But I mean for lack of a better word He's been holding that Close to the vest All this time so when He was well when he became president Now he can basically say I can do this my way Damn the torpedoes so to speak But so and so You know that's something that People have to also take into consideration For better or for worse again Biden has had a front row seat To all of this for a very long time, and I think that that's a pr- I think that's why when you see coverage of this, you see more people kind of scratching their head. He came into office as the thoughtful, empathetic, knowledgeable foreign policy guy who was in the Oval Office, was in the Situation Room, was next to the guy who had his finger on the button this whole time. We, you know, you're you're going for a president that has that competency. In quotes, this kind of supposedly. Well, this this doesn't help him at all. I think that for at least his presidency uh, after this, it's this this is a huge, huge hit, especially not even nine months and not even nine months into this. Uh, he's he just made whatever strides he wanted to make as president that much more difficult for him. And you've given the opposite side that much more ammunition with push to beat you over the head you should I mean, again partially unfairly because they were all of about it's unf- of course getting it's...
0: these people out again both parties were all about were saying fuck, refugees, what's fuck this fuck that well i mean the conservative the conservative mindset like drives me crazy too because they're all about like fuck refugees if y'all are fleeing war you can go fuck yourself all of a sudden they're so concerned about the afghan people so concerned yeah, about the people we're leaving behind what is Biden doing, leaving these people behind? What a horrible person. And that that drives me fucking crazy. Regardless of what Biden is doing wrong, this whole idea that now we're going to snipe at Biden for doing something that we wanted to do anyway and for fucking abandoning people that we don't fucking care about, all of a sudden they become political capital to snipe
1: at the president? Y'all get Hell, to get a the fuck ago- out of here with that bullshit. Hey, a year ago, Republicans were saying, oh, hey, we shouldn't be in Afghanistan. America first, right? They were praising All of a sudden, Trump's plan to get out in May. They were praising the hell right? out of it. Oh, hmm Hell, they're praising it this morning. Apparently, they, Trump had a detailed, comprehensive plan in order to get out of Afghanistan that I'm Biden sure. just completely and totally shit on, according to what every Republican is saying. But you can say that when you're a bystander outside the Oval Office. What was that as plan? As opposed to... I'm still trying to figure that out. I've been I have been scratching my head ever since I heard that this morning. I've been looking for Trump's but, plan I ain't found no plan. I just found May first he had 4 years That's, That's all I found. <laughs> and, hey, let's get there before Christmas if we can kind of vote for me. Every 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 carrot that he can possibly get in order to be <laughs> or to win re-election he tried. But A stimulus it, it, yeah, and, and, and you know, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole as far as Democrat versus Republican, but bottom line is both parties had a hand in this. Both parties have to be blamed, and for Republicans to sit by and say, "Oh, we told you so," you sorry, to get the fuck not out when, of my face, not, not now, not 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 now. I think we should close this conversation. I want to end it.
0: I do want to actually snipe at Republicans a little bit in the end of this conversation. Um, because this, <laughs> this kind of ties into the mindset and this is why, like, I consider myself a progressive, even though Joe Biden is not at all a great president. And we're going to have a conversation about that relatively soon as well. So y'all definitely need to look forward. We to can that. go there. We are. I mean, we even thought I about mean, like, I know that that was something you wanted to do when we thought about, we were going to do that episode a couple of weeks ago where we we're going to talk about the Biden presidency. So far, we got a lot more to talk about now. So we can certainly Nine do that in. in the next few weeks. Well, every day is a different adventure under the Biden administration. <laughs> I mean, look, we're going to, we're going to lighten it up as well in the next couple of weeks. Cause we're going to talk about Michael Jordan and the last dance. So we'll have a little more fun again for a bit. Um, yeah, please. Can
1: we? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We got, we're going to talk about Michael Jordan and the last dance in a, in a future episode, but let's close this out and let's close this out with this thought. Um, at least this is the thing that always kind of drives me a little bit crazy. I have to look up the quote for this one, actually, because I think it gives it the perfect context to continue and end this conversation. We'll say, hold on, hold on. Let's talk about conservative Jesus, at least conservative Jesus before, uh, (laughs) conservative Jesus before, before Trump. Okay, let's see. These are a couple of Ronald, well, Ronald Reagan quotes. Okay. The nine uh, most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Or you could always go with, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is government the problem. is the problem. Uh, famous or either you will control your government or government will control you. So I want to talk about all these contexts because I got to leave it at this. I gotta leave it with this mindset. I'm asking you conservatives out there, actually. I'm asking you this question because I know us progressives have been scratching our heads at this one for a long time. Why is government terrible? Why is government always terrible, useless, pathetic, can't accomplish anything unless we're blowing shit up in another country? When we go to another country, we want to do all this nation building shit. Every conservative on earth is all about it. It's all about like, hey, we can. Our military can solve anything. You want to take care of Al-Qaeda. You want to fucking figure out Afghanistan. You want to figure out Iraq. A U.S. military, man, just fucking light the tires and fucking like, light the fires and kick the tires and like go over there and kick some ass. Government is the solution there. Government is the solution when it comes to the police. Right? Isn't that a little odd how conservatives are chanting, chanting about government is the solution? Government is the solution. Government is the solution in these situations, but in no others. Like, when it comes to trying to actually genuinely help people, when it comes to better health care, human rights, things of that nature, government is useless. But man, our billions of billions of dollars that we spend every year to blow shit up, almost a trillion dollars, our military budget. In fact, I think it may have crossed a trillion for the first time uh, recently. Almost a trillion dollars that we spend. That's a government program, motherfuckers. I want y'all conservatives to answer that question for me. I'm going to leave it maybe at that why is government only okay when we're fucking shit up not when we're fixing shit i guess we'll leave it at that any final thoughts that you want to actually get out there question before i close this down
1: um i i think we i don't think we said all we needed to say on this on this topic i mean we can have this conversation as the many we've had to this point uh forever Uh, There's so many different ways and so many different reasons that we are where we are and how we got here. Um, I think you have a good point as far as the conservative mentality. I'm still trying to figure out how it's cool for us to go into a situation 20 years ago. But for the past four years, it was horrible to now nine months ago. It's back to being cool again. Uh, on, on the conservative side It's just Human nature is a hell of a thing right? When when, when you want to change the argument And change the narrative To suit your, your reasoning and excuses Well, especially again When you're not the people in power You can say anything But If you broke it, you bought it And Republicans did this 20 years ago I think that's where I'll leave it
0: mm, We all did it We all did it We all, yes Everybody signed off on yes. this war. Everybody signed off on this war. Except for me. Yeah. I was the only person, me and Trump,
1: were the only people in all of America that didn't sign off on this war. I I will say I was on board when this happened. But hey, I was pissed off at the time, so was as I. most Americans were, about what's happening. I, I don't know if it was a matter of not thinking clearly, but I definitely wanted blood. Yeah. It's just a matter of... But again, hey, hey, hindsight for me too, an right? Eye for an this eye, is the whole world blind. No, well, I- this is what happens when you don't think before you react. 20 years of scratching your head and trying to figure out how the hell we got into this mess. I think that's where I'll leave it. And how we're getting out of it because we're still in it. All right. Let's yeah.
0: shut it down here. I want to thank everyone for joining us on this wonderful conversation. I do want to mention very quickly, very, very important. I should have mentioned this at the top of the hour, and I will advertise this on the podcast. If you all want to help out Afghanistan, if you want to help out the people who are being left behind there, the Afghan people, you can go to Choose Love. That is uh, Choose Love on Instagram is one of the best places to find them. If you go to some of the links on Instagram and elsewhere. You will find links to choose love to donate and provide assistance for the Afghan people. Hopefully the money will go where it needs to go and hopefully it'll do some good. Uh, But I think that's one of, at this moment, one of the best ways that you and I, the average American can do something to help out in this conflict. So please go to choose love, a nonprofit organization, donate and help the Afghan people, help people fleeing war, help refugees Uh, That's just about the best thing that we can do in this moment, sitting in our desks, sitting in front of our phones, sitting at our computers. Just donate. Try to help out in any way that you can. Um, As always, thank you for joining us. We have been recording remotely, as you all know. Again, I will leave it at that. If there's any sound issues or artifacts, you can hit us up on our DMs on all of our social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Positively Cynical. Or search for hashtag Positively Cynical, and you can find all of our web pages, all of our social media, and all of our shit. Uh, Check that out as quickly as you can. And the best way to support your favorite podcast crew, of course, is to like, rate, share, and subscribe to our content on podcast platforms and on social media. Like, rate, share, subscribe, and hit us up on our DMs comment on our posts, and on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. If you're enjoying the show, that's one of the best ways to expose us to other people that might enjoy this show as well. Uh, My heart goes out to the Afghan people. My heart goes out to the soldiers that we lost in that recent terrorist attack. And that's all I can leave it at. Choose love, y'all. Donate. Help out. Help out the Afghan people. Question, thanks for joining me on this conversation. And All I got to say is have a wonderful, wonderful day, y'all. Take care of each other. Peace out to y'all. Be safe.